a special Thanksgiving week episode of the It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia podcast. Kevin Kincaid alongside Dave Zeitlin. Dave, how are you, man? Yes, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you as well. I woke up about uh, uh, 45 minutes ago, mm-hmm. so the uh, if there's <laughs> any hot takes tonight, they might be lukewarm. I'm not sure if you realize that there's a dog in the house right now. Yeah, we uh, he's out, so we I locked him out of the... Um, recording rec- quote unquote recording studio <laughs> in here and uh yeah i got a dog uh, about two and a half weeks ago breaking news breaking news yeah baxter is now part of the uh kincaid family he's not allowed into the uh podcast uh taping yet but i mean maybe we'll get him maybe Special we'll get guest. him in here yeah maybe he can bark into the microphone he has better takes than me probably yeah he the keyboard kind of sits low here he'd probably jump jump up on it and hit hit like stop or like delete or something like that but uh yeah we got a dog not not um not so long yeah, ago he seems like a good puppy he's a good pup yeah he's uh very well behaved whoever had him before us must have uh house trained him or something because he doesn't do uh he doesn't have any accidents, as I would say, mm-hmm. in the house. And he, uh, you know, the biggest issue is that he might get a shoe uh, here or there. He's got he got one of Sarah's uh, Uggs, mm-hmm. and uh, he got a uh, he got a high heel as well. Yeah. He doesn't seem to like my shoes though. Our dog has accidents in the house, and she's almost eight. So uh, oh, yeah. I think it's out of spite, like she's pissed, <laughs> and, she, and she just like pees in our kids' room sometimes. She's like, "Why aren't you paying attention to me?" Oh, well. so she's uh, yeah. One of those kinds of things, yeah. Well, that's okay. I can. I. I'm sure we can all relate to that. Um, but now he's been good so far. We got a dog. Park all relate where... to peeing in kids' rooms. Is that well, <laughs> no? Maybe the spite, uh, the spite part of it, not the, uh, not the uh, peeing and pooping. But uh, yeah, now he's been good so far. We got a dog park right down the street, and uh, yeah, he's been a nice addition to the family. We were we were both pet people growing up. I had like eight pets in the house. Like when I was growing up, but we're not, we weren't those kinds of people. Like my, we had like two cats, we had a dog, we had like a couple of parakeets, and then we had like um, like hamsters, I think, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it seems it wasn't like you know my mom was like crazy crazy uh, cat lady or anything okay. like that. It was a nice like diverse mix of uh, fauna in the, in the house. Yeah. So anyway, moving on to uh, more important things. Yeah, there there's was, soccer. Uh, yeah, there soccer, soccer happened last night. I- I heard happened last night. Hundred thousand people between two games. Pretty good night for MLS. Yeah, two good games, eight total goals. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Um, It was really. I was really looking forward to it. You know, I mean, I mean, I think that they lose. My my biggest gripe about the playoffs is when you hit that international break. Like you, you you lose all this momentum going going into. uh, Going into the conference finals, but yeah, they had what like sixty thousand at uh, the Big O, the Big O, and over forty thousand in Seattle. Yeah, in Seattle, yeah. So uh, why don't we start it off with? I, I will talk about Bruce Arena and Jurgen Klinsmann yeah. all that stuff a little later on. But the playoffs were most recent, so we wanted to uh, start with that. Um, yeah, the Montreal and Toronto game. For, first off, the uh, the twenty minute, uh, twenty five minute field maintenance mm-hmm. delay. Uh, what was your take on having to repaint the lines? I love watching paint dry. So I mean, I'm a soccer <laughs> fan, so I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a joke. It was yeah, a great joke. That was a pretty it. good joke. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's well, my favorite. My favorite part about it was how, how they how the guys had the um, like yeah. leaf leaf blower things, like yeah. trying to <laughs> trying to accelerate yeah. the drying process. It's 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 pretty bush. Like, I, I it just kind of sucks because there are two great games, but the but like all like the outlets are talking about like dead spin is oh, the field thing when and they the missed two good games, and I'm just like, yeah, it's it was bad, but uh. It happens, I guess. Well, the, you know, the ultimate irony of it is to I don't I don't know if people realize, but you know, um, the Olympic Stadium is literally, literally right across. Is it's literally in the same on the same block as Stad Saputo, 
So you can walk out of Sad Saputo and walk about 50 yards across the street, or not across the street, but like down the street, and the the Olympic Stadium is right there. Yeah. <laughs> so they're having all these <laughs> these field issues you uh, just walk down the street when yeah. the soccer specific stadium is is right next door. But I understand why they why they play it there because it's not it can hold so many more people, and uh, mm-hmm. it's it's cold as hell in uh, yeah. Montreal in November, yeah. as as it will be in Toronto. But they can't they can't play the right. second leg indoor because they don't have anywhere. In order to go there, um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't think the field thing was as big. I mean, look, I, I, I'm just glad that it's nice to know that they check these things before. Yeah, who have knew? You ever seen anybody <laughs> at Talent Energy checking nah, the lines nah. before the? Um, that's because they're perfect. That's right. It's because <laughs> it's, it's a soccer specific. Um, Hell of a game, though. I mean, did you ever think Montreal would score three goals? At, and at that point, for uh, Josie and Michael Bradley to really pull two back, I mean, that, that kind of shows. I know. Yeah, the momentum swings in that game. I mean, it was all Montreal to start, and you were wondering if they were going to get a fourth. And uh, you know, Toronto just looked out of sorts defensively. I mean, their midfield was wide open. The three-five-two, they were really, uh, you know, Montreal was really attacking the gaps in that shape. And and Toronto's been, had been so sound with that with that formation over the last couple weeks. You know, remember they they hadn't played three-five-two. You know, all year necessarily, they played a lot of four four two also, but they showed a lot of tactical flex. You know, coming down the stretch where they could, they could show a three man backline, they could show a four man backline, and they had played that three uh, in the playoff game against the Union. They played mm-hmm. the three uh, in the playoff games against New York City FC mm-hmm. with no problem. So why would you change it now? But yeah, Montreal really had a great game plan to kind of kind of attack that. And if you you look back at the first goal, the the amazing ball that Patrice Bernier plays yeah. through there. When he's not even looking, really, you know, he knows where he's going to play that before he gets it. All he does is really turn. He doesn't pick his head up. He just he just clips the he doesn't he doesn't clip it. He just hits a through ball right in that area. That's just veteran recognition of him knowing that when you play a three man defense, you know, the channels between uh, the center center back and the the well in a three five two you got three center backs. So the channels where the center backs are and the channels where the full backs are they're going to be different in that shape. So that's just him knowing exactly where mm-hmm. that is where he can play that ball. And how to get Dominic Aduro through? I thought Montreal had a really, really um, good game plan to start off. You know, yeah. And there's been a lot of talk about uh, Nacho Piatti just kind of being snubbed for the MVP. Like mm-hmm. he's actually the top player in the league. Where do you rank him right now? Do you think he's the best player in? He's uh, he's up there. I mean, yeah. Question Wright Phillips and uh, I mean I, Piatti was. I I remember my my first our, our first look at Nacho Piatti really was. Or when he when he first sort of made a big impression was in those uh, Concacaf Champions League games, you know, and I was like, this guy's legit, you know, this mm-hmm. this guy is able to do stuff on at a certain level in a, in a certain type of game that we haven't really seen before. Um, obviously, I mean, Javinko's the player and whatnot, but um, yeah, I don't know how how they pulled off that signing, but I I think just because he plays in Montreal and and people don't might not see as much of him as they see some of the other players, maybe that's why the yeah. It is the way it is. I but. still like Toronto and I like to right now. I mean, Giovinco, I think, is due for at least one goal in that home game, and and they're pretty much set with the uh, two. Yeah, because they two up. You know, in the in the Wiggles. So they beat uh, Philly three to one at uh, BMO, and in the they beat New York City. Th- was it was it three nothing in that? In that it was first a seven game? nothing total, right? Yeah, Aggregate. Four, yeah. Did they beat them? Two, or was it two nothing and five nothing? I yeah, can't remember. Right. But yeah, so they played really well at, at BMO in the playoffs. It's yeah. only two games. It's not the biggest sample size, but um, Montreal gets through with a winner draw. Um, but you know, a one a one nothing would do it for yeah for Toronto. So yeah, that second away, the first away goal, I was like, eh, oh, it's, yeah. it's big. But that that second one. I mean, you have to like Toronto going through at home, you know. Do you think Ken Tribbett uh, watches these games just 
just with like a blanket pulled over his head uh, just like it's like horrified <laughs> well I, I don't know i mean uh it's it's nice to know that they were having trouble with uh, yeah. uh the, i guess he if he would like to he would probably be reassured to know that there were a lot of goals scored on a lot, That's of, true. A lot of different people so yeah watching those on uh, new york games probably made, him feel, yeah. made him feel a little <laughs> right, better yeah. i think people uh turn their focus away from that when they saw what happened to nyc but um so speaking of union or ex-union players any other game we had latu and uh, mcmath two two probably the most popular uh union players both kind of mistreated both were good for a while kind of got in bad situations uh latu with the first trade and then traded again mcmath with the whole uh, race thing obviously just what did you make of them playing for a conference championships starting in the same game yeah zach had a good game last night some big saves um you know, that first one, the the goal that comes off the post and then Jordan Morris is right there. I don't think there's anything he can really do about that. Um, second goal is the uh, the Lodero penalty, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Latou, yeah, Seba played pretty well also. I thought he had a chance in the second half there to kind of square a ball yeah, and then play Jermaine yeah. Jones. And you saw some of the stuff that, that you saw in Philly where sometimes the first touch wasn't there or sometimes mm-hmm. the, the final pass or whatever, but... um. No, it says a lot about him as a player that he can go to a team like that and uh and start they, yeah. yeah, when they thought he was just gonna be I mean, he didn't he wasn't starting for Colorado when they traded him over there and then he kinda of fought his way into yeah. the lineup and they and he fits what they're doing, which is yeah. is a good two way um you know, player who can help keep the shape and make that team successful and um it, it was nice to see, you know, especially because how many playoff games have they Right. Have, they, have they played, you know? Uh, and I was just, saying... Just Sebastian, the yeah. two, in 2011. You know? Also, I was thinking, ex-union ex, um, players who leave and go elsewhere, they don't usually get deep into the playoffs, do they? No. Unless I'm forgetting people. No, look at... I mean, look at all the people that, that Philly traded over the years. I mean... Yeah. Uh, There's been a lot, but not a lot of them have done big things once they left, when, right. you, when you think about it. Yeah, the guys who went to Houston this year, Shannon and... Uh, yeah. Or, and Wenger, well, Shannon last year, Wenger, Chaco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's not there really hasn't been that storyline really where you see a hey, let's watch a yeah. former Union guy deep in the playoffs. It just hasn't really happened. Two um, one is is good, but I really feel like Seattle needed that other one because Colorado's absolutely so good at home yeah. playing a one nothing one nothing game at home. That's what they do. Um, you know, the absence of Sam Cronin with the yellow card accumulation yeah, that's, that's going to be a big deal. But they have a guy like Michael Azira who's been good all year. And uh, with Jermaine Jones back healthy now, he gives them a little bit more going forward, you know, at the number eight spot. So they're, they're not – Jermaine doesn't make them the airtight defensive team that they that they were when they played two – because when they had Cronin and Azira playing next to each other for the whole year, it was basically like a, the union equivalent of Brian Carroll and Warren Creval, you know, where you basically have two defensive-minded guys who were two number sixes playing there, really, right? So when you put Jermaine Jones in there – he brings a lot more offensively, and he's willing to take a few more risks going forward. But you also might concede a goal that you normally wouldn't. So, you know, in this one, I guess we're going to see Azira and Jones playing alongside each other, and they only need one nothing. I mean, Toronto and Colorado only need one nothings mm-hmm. at home to to get it done. I know I'm making it sound like it's easy, but um, so is that your pick right now, Toronto versus, Coral- versus Colorado? Colorado? Yeah, I, I mean, it just has to be, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, it would be Toronto then in the. Uh, well, Toronto finished third. Yes, yeah, so it would be Toronto at Colorado in MLS Cup. I think so, yeah. Yeah. It's not something that I would have picked at the beginning of the year. You don't want a road trip to Colorado? Colorado. <laughs> 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 if they thought it was thought it was cold in uh, Toronto in the in the winter, try going to Colorado. But they were both really good games, yeah. yeah. And uh, I, don't, I don't know what the ratings were like, the numbers were like or whatever. And uh, 
Yeah. It's unfortunate that they're talking about the Lions and shit like that, but at the end yeah. of the day, it's, a, you know. it's good that it was on a Tuesday night, too. It's so hard, these games on Sunday going against the NFL, and there wasn't really much sports on uh, too much last night, I don't think, so hopefully yeah, and I think most decently people, in the rating. Most people who work normal jobs, weren't they probably done? I mean, were they working today? Are they off today? I think most people were probably off today, right? They probably gave them Wednesday. I think some people take like half day. I think my wife has like a half day. Oh, okay, shape, right. so, yeah. Because I was yeah. thinking maybe there might be some more people out last night or sitting yeah. around on the couch yeah. or looking for something to watch on TV that, that might not normally be doing that but it was a good if you can get if you can get by the stupid lines having to be redrawn yeah. and whatever shit I mean, the fact happens. that over a hundred thousand people total were yeah, there i, I, mean, I that, didn't that, that's impressive i wasn't sitting there saying like wow this is such an embarrassment for mls blah 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 i mean nah. you make mistakes and you, and you fix them and then you play a great game that's that's kind of what i was focused on so should we segue speaking of embarrassment uh jurgen klinsman yeah is that a good segue well that sounds that's a strong uh, open, yeah, from you there. A strong reopen. It's rip them, nah, from you. So why don't you? Uh, why don't I? Why don't I start? Why don't you? Uh, when I started, start I mean, yeah, here. I mean, I was not a huge Klinsman fan. I, I liked him at first. He did some good things. I think the move was absolutely unnecessary. What do you think? It, yeah, going. I mean, when we when Jurgen came in, I think people got to remember that. Uh, yeah, but because Bob Bradley's tenure just got stale, and people were looking for something different, uh, kind of a shakeup. Jurgen's name, remember, had been floated uh, a bunch of times before that, and it was it, it seemed like it was only a matter of time that he mm, would yeah. that he would be the successor, right? And he would bring some new ideas, he would change some things around, you know, add some of that European influence and that German influence that was probably lacking over here, and so people wanted kind of that foreign, um, you know, foreign hands to kind of come and change things around and show us what we're do where we're doing and what we can yeah. do better and kind of kind of shake things up and get get us out of the status quo a little bit and um the know. hire made sense and the fact that he had so much ambition was good it just seemed like the players didn't like playing for him a lot of times they seemed confused what they had to do he played guys out of position at as we know he threw yeah. guys under the bus it was just he just didn't seem like a very yeah. good players coach and i think that came back to, to bite him, especially against Costa Rica. It did seem at Costa Rica like they weren't were not interested in playing for him. And, yeah, uh, that was hard to watch. You know, the one thing about you, one thing you can say about the United States is for all the technical um, deficiencies that we have, and for us not being as skilled or not as advanced as, as other teams, you know, you could always rely on the uh, the American fight and right. grit yeah. and hard work, and that's the kind of stuff that got us through. And that's why I loved watching. I mean, times. like I loved watching this team for so long just because of that and i mean just being the uh the uh, big underdogs but they play well like against top teams and it was fun and i just just watching the u.s national team over these past couple of years just wasn't as much fun for me anymore i'm not sure yeah i'd I'd say the same thing and uh you know just continuing with the theme of like the american grit and hustle and determination and shit like that um you know jurgen's teams did show that in the past you know it's not that they never showed it for him i mean think of the belgium game in uh, the World Cup, where we were getting absolutely killed, and we somehow came came back to make yeah. it two to one. You know, there's a million different ways to go with it with, with the Jurgen thing, and, and for me, more than anything, um, he just didn't. He just wasn't a good game day coach, and he wasn't good tactically. Um, and, and I hear all these people saying all these these think pieces and all this bullshit about well, people didn't like him because he was German, and people didn't like the German-born players and people didn't like, you know, that he didn't like MLS or that he criticized it. it, it that That's all, I, I think that's all BS because, first of all, people, like we said, people welcomed the change at the time. People yeah. wanted something different and they were getting sick of Bob Bradley, right? So somebody coming in from Germany, a guy who lives in California, albeit, you know, with European ideas and European experience, people liked it at the time, right? So I don't think that people were sitting there saying, 
we're losing because we have Timmy Chandler and Fabian Johnson and yeah. John Brooks and, or whatever. And he did play MLS guys. I mean, Wondolowski maybe to a fault. <laughs> I mean, Brad yes. Davis in the World Cup. Yes. So he, he definitely wasn't anti-MLS. He just kind of had, like, weird player choices, and he would overly loyal to some and, and like, grudges against some, like Failhaber. Yeah, Failhaber. He would never want to pick. Sasha Question. And Wondolowski, like Jermaine Jones. There are some guys he just, like, never wanted to give up on, like, even his age and... It, it just didn't make sense to totally keep these guys on. So I, I think a fresh perspective at, at this point will be yeah, it much needed. It wasn't that he was anti-MLS. He, he told people, he, he made it clear that he wanted people to play in Europe and he wanted people to challenge themselves and play the highest level. And he wanted Clint Dempsey and Michael Bradley to stay over there. But yes, he would select guys like Wondolowski and Kyle Beckerman, um, you know, dudes who weren't really getting a sniff under Bob Bradley and guys who we've thought were kind of, you know, not at, at the level of the national team, you know, it, maybe originally, but not at a, as they got to a certain age or whatever. Um, but all the, the foreign-born stuff to me is just BS because, you know, again, like you take the starting lineup from the Costa Rica uh, and Mexico game, you had who John Brooks, Fabian Johnson, Timmy Chandler, and uh, who was the other one that was out on the field? There was, there was four of them. There was four of the German-born guys were out there. And uh, there was the other seven were all Americans, right? Yeah. Who am I missing? There was there was four of them. Yeah. Um, uh, little, oh, Jermaine Jones. Yeah. Jermaine Jones. Yeah. So you have. Um, oh, hey, see ya. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <coughs> sorry, it was my wife. Uh, Who is that? Oh. Leaving for the store. Yeah. Have her come in. Yeah. Well, I don't. I we'll we'll get there someday. Um, you had seven. So the seven other guys in the starting lineup were, you know, a eighteen year old kid who was born in Hershey. Uh, Michael Bradley, who was born in New Jersey, oh, jo- yeah. Josie of Haitian descent, who was born in Jersey. I mean, there there really weren't all this talk about the German guys and stuff like that. There really weren't a ton yeah. of them in the in the eighteen or who were really part of the picture. I mean, Jurgen did call up a lot of different guys and did lean on a lot of different guys. The guys from Mexico that he would call up, Michael Orozco. Um, Roscoe's probably done. So is Timmy Chandler, right? I would think <laughs> those so. two guys I mean, are probably not going to stick around. I thought Timmy Chandler would be just because I don't think he's been that great. He's not but great. he's 26 and he does play a lot of games in the in the Bundesliga. So okay, mm-hmm. transitioning from that real quickly to then Bruce Arena's uh, take on the foreign-born guys. Were you on the conference call? I, I wasn't. I mean, I heard he he kind of walked back those comments, and yeah. I saw what you tweeted too. I don't think that's really Bruce Arena's position, right? He, he was probably kind of misconstrued at the time. It's. I think Bruce. I think it's Bruce being Bruce and the fact that he's probably opened his mouth to yeah. say something without thinking about it. Really, he has some good quotes. I like that about him. He does have good quotes at the expense of sometimes them not making sense or them being misconstrued as the wrong thing. And when he said, but Klinsman, on the other hand, would just talk at press conferences and say nothing and yeah. just be optimistic, but <laughs> just not say anything of substance and would just blame fans and right. Like, I enjoy hearing Bruce Arena speak a lot more than Jurgen Klinsmann, <laughs> to be honest. So on the topic of, of Bruce and the xenophobia, you know, it, he, he was quoted in the past as saying, you know, I think he said an American should be coaching the American national team. And if you uh, aren't born in America, then maybe you shouldn't be playing for the national team. And so people took that to say that he doesn't like foreigners and he doesn't like Jurgen and he's not going to call up John Brooks or Ch- Timmy Chandler, stuff like that. But then in the other half of those quotes that he provided, he said things like, you know, if, if we're calling up a guy from Germany, then, you know, what is it, a guy who's developed in Germany, then what does it say about our system here? You know, and so the gist of the crux of what him and Sunil Galati said Tuesday in the press conference was, there's nothing wrong with foreign-born 
guys playing for the team. If you have a passport, if you're eligible to play for the United States, then we'll call you up. You're part of, course, of, yeah, part of the process, absolutely. right? His Bruce's take on it was that we need to be developing our own players through our own national team youth setup instead of outsourcing these guys, yeah. whether we have control over or not, to Germany and have them develop over there. You know, that, that, that's, that's, that's all he's saying, yeah. you know. Yeah. I think what he's saying is that it's the responsibility and the burden is on us as a as a still a growing soccer playing nation to figure it out for ourselves, you know. And that's just philosophically one thing or another. I was talking to fans on Twitter who said, what's wrong with having a European guy come over here and kind of help us and kind of teach us some of these things and give us new ideas in the way that Jurgen did. I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I also don't think there's anything wrong with what Bruce is saying you know, to, to an idea that we have to increase our level of production and we have to start producing more players, yeah. you know? so. And I wasn't on the call, but didn't Bruce also say that he wants to make sure that these guys' hearts are in the right place? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Which is fine, too. I mean, hmm. these guys are going to be part of the team going forward. Like, Fabian Johnson, John Brooks are probably yeah. half of the back line at the World Cup. So, I mean, I think yeah. it's important to integrate guys, but I, th- I have no problem with with what Bruce said. I don't so. either. I don't either. And I, I really don't think that people were sitting around saying like, I mean, did you talk to anybody or did you hear from anybody that said like, oh, Jurgen's German, you know, he's got to go. No. Did you hear no, that? Like, I didn't hear, I didn't hear that. I know that people. The biggest were... complaint I've heard and the biggest complaint I had was leaving Landon Donovan off the World Cup roster, which mm-hmm. I think will probably be his biggest legacy. And... Yeah, we should find Pop, um, <laughs> Pablo's uh, list of uh, like Jurgen uh, grievances. Yeah. Pablo, try to find it. And Matt Doyle had a pretty good one too. <laughs> I mean, he just never he ne- he talked such a big game, but he never beat any top ten teams. He they looked so lost. If you look. If you look at the Argentina game, mm-hmm. and for me, just leaving Donovan off for what Donovan did in the 2013 Gold Cup, he mm-hmm. basically carried that team t- to a title for Jurgen. He was so set up for like one last World Cup, like with Clint Dempsey, with T- Tim Howard. These guys were together. It was just all set for them to ha- have one last World Cup together, and to take that away from Donovan, and then to do it in, in a way where he didn't bring any backup for uh, Josie out the door. He, <laughs> he ended up having Wondolowski. Just yes. it's just so unforgivable. Like. That World Cup mismanagement, like, it was a fun World Cup to watch, like, seeing Tim Howard come against Belgium was great. I mean, just getting out of take group of death. But if he just just wasn't so prideful and just yeah. just made a couple different moves, they could have gotten further in that, that World Cup, I think. That move was done out of spite because Landon took the yeah. break, you know? and um, He was playing so well at the time. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, to me, the second half of that is is what you, is you hitting it on the head because uh, you know he brings two poachers with him. Yeah, one who's injured. Yeah, uh, Aaron Johansson and who's carrying hurt, yeah. an injury. Josie's the only real center forward you have, and you're going to play four two three one the whole time. So uh, beyond that, you know the experimenting with different guys and playing Matt Beasler as a left back. Fabian Johnson has playing Michael Bradley, too, Michael Bradley too high up the, the field. Yeah. Yedlin as a right winger. I mean, it wasn't. That's what I was trying to tell people, and I don't, I don't want to make it a political thing, but I think other people have tried to politicize it. They try to make it seem as there's this like right-wing movement of soccer people who didn't like Jurgen because he was German or they wanted to see him go because of some like xenophobia or something. I wanted to see him go because he didn't know what the fuck he was doing mm-hmm. tactically. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it had nothing to do yeah. about him being German or calling German guys. It's because he played Matt Beasler at left yeah. back. And it's because he kept calling up Chris Wondolaskin because the personnel decisions and the tactical decisions just didn't make any sense. Yeah. You're going to play. I know I sound like a hypocrite because I've been talking about the union trying to change their formation all year long. 
And now I'm like bitching because Jurgen yeah. plays three at the yeah. back against Mexico. But you're not. You didn't prepare for that. These guys don't know the shape. Like you don't have. Why would you do that now? You know, uh-huh. Why? Why is now? And that. And that's what people. People were sick of Jurgen because. He lost at home to Mexico. He lost at home to Jamaica when it counted. People didn't care about winning at Germany in a friendly, winning at the Czech Republic in a friendly. All that stuff really didn't matter yeah. because you have to get it done in CONCACAF, and he wasn't getting it done. And if you want to give him some credit, I mean, bringing players along. I like Bobby Wood. Bobby yeah. Uh, um, and some guys like that. But like, what did you think of the uh, Bruce Arena hire? Like, I know you were more of an Oscar, Oscar player guy, right? Well, I think we all kind of knew that um, – no, it's it's. I think that everybody knew that Bruce is kind of the guy. He's like he's like goose hitting, right? He's like the guy you hire to come in and kind of steady the ship when yeah. you're in the middle of a qualifying campaign. Um, Bruce ain't a master tactician. He's not going to change a ton of things. You know, he's going to play a simple shape. He's going to try to maximize the strengths of the team. He's going to get him through qualifying, and I guess they'll let him hang around through the World Cup. But then when the next cycle starts, I think you go to like an Oscar Pereja type of guy. Unless Bruce leads them to a World Cup championship and and then you got to keep him, I guess. Right, because then the title (laughs) defense, it's about the title (laughs) defense. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I, I like Bruce in a sense. I mean, I think I said this, the 2002 uh, World Cup was probably the best performance that this country has ever had. It's the reason I love soccer. I mean, just waking up to watch those games, beating Mexico, playing Germany in the quarterfinals when they should have won. And then Bruce, I, I think Matt Doyle tweeted out the records against top 10 teams. When he was manager, he was like Bruce basically was 500. Like yeah. he had the most wins of anyone by far, and Klinsman never beat anyone. So he's a guy. I think he gets the most out of his players. Guys like playing for him. Um, I think they could. The U.S. team, like we talked about before, will once again have a shot to kind of be that team that pulls the upsets, mm-hmm. that has a chance to go on a deep run in the World Cup. So for that reason alone, I think it was a good move. I think it, I think it was the only move, you know, and uh, my. My preference for Oscar Pereja kind of comes from the idea that um, he's he's such a good identifier of talent, and he makes a commitment to the young guys on his team. Um, he he didn't that FC Dallas team that won two trophies this year and probably would still be in the playoffs if it wasn't for the Diaz injury. I mean, Oscar Pereja did that without a single player on his team making more than five hundred thousand dollars this year. Um, they sign all these homegrown guys. They get young guys in. They have a nice mix on that team. Veterans young guys one really good playmaker they sold Fabian Castillo halfway through the year people forget about that yeah um he's been around for a long time I mean he came to the United States in 1998 he played with Dallas with Dallas Byrne for seven years then he was an assistant there uh, had had a time with the U.S. U-17s for a year and then um went to Colorado had a good year there playing guys like Dylan Powers and Deshaun Brown getting a ton out of those guys when they were rookies and then coming to Dallas and doing what he's done I mean it just it just makes a ton of sense. I, I don't. I don't see Peter Vermees necessarily as being the guy. Caleb Porter. Yeah, I was going to ask you: Are there any other MLS coaches or former MLS coaches? John Hackworth, Peter Novak. People Jim seem Curtin. to like the uh, Bielsa, Marcelo Bielsa um, kind of direction, but I, I don't. I don't know if they go that well. I, I guess I was going to say I don't know if you go with another foreign guy, but now they have Bruce in between, so it wouldn't matter. Um, I really don't. And know. you like I, Ernie Stewart for a technical director, right? Absolutely, man. <laughs> absolutely. I think that's like you only give him one more year in Philly first. Yeah. Well, I think Union fans would like that. Yeah. I think it's inevitable. The thing about Ernie being technical director for the national team it makes is sense. That, um, yeah. He can't. I mean, a lot of Ernie's strengths are in the transfer market. You know, overseas. Obviously, he doesn't have much of a budget in Philadelphia. Right. But yeah, you can't, it'll you be a, a different skill set. I you guess you can't buy low and sell high when you're on the national team. So, um, as far as as far as players that Bruce might call. Um, Sasha Kleshin, definitely. Benny, Benny Fayhaber, um, Nagby. 
starting to nag me. Maybe Robbie Rogers gets yeah. a shot. I don't. I don't know. Um, there. Scott I mean, it, there could be like in January camp. I mean, guys like Mike McGee or Dax McCarty, <laughs> kind of the scrappy Americans yeah, that Bruce yeah. likes. Who, who knows? I hope the. I hope the Bruce. I, I think you know he'll give it a fair shake. I don't want to see it just be eleven MLS guys no. um, to prove. A but Failhaber or Nagby, I mean, if you're looking at the team, I think most of the lineup is pretty set. But I feel like they could still use a good attacking midfielder, like in front of Michael Bradley, yeah, if you keep him there. He's so, I mean, figure out what the hell he's yeah. doing, what they're doing with Bradley. I'm, I'm interested to see what they, uh, what they do. They have a friendly before the. Um, they have a January camp. The January yeah, camp. Yeah, but that's always been yeah. uh, calling up calling up guys. Yeah. They just, usually don't they usually play a friendly off that off that January yeah, camp. They, they play they some did. like yeah, they play some like shitty teams somewhere. So speaking of uh January camp, the one question we only got two questions on Twitter. You, yeah. you guys are already eating your turkey or yeah, something. Yeah, they're in the off but, season. Uh, off season though. From uh, Dave Meehan, the likelihood of of a, a Rosenberry call up with uh, Bruce Arena now as a coach. What are your thoughts on that? Might as well. <laughs> I yeah. mean, Bruce got a good look at him when uh, L.A. came out for the uh, 2-2 draw back in e- April, May. Um, and uh, Keegan played well in that game, so why not? You know, if, if not now, then when? Um, and else? I think he should use that camp to kind of pull in some of those fringe guys and see what he has, you know. Anyone else in the union? Um, <laughs> I feel no, like we should talk about the union. This is a union podcast. It is a union podcast. Anything else going on with the union these no, days? No, not a damn thing. They had the academy event. Um, oh, yeah. Were you there panel. for that? Or? No, oh, okay. no. But uh, Ryan, Ryan Strauss, uh, oh, cool. thanks thanks to him for um, sharing some of the uh, audio uh, from the, the panel discussion that they had okay. at YSC. Yeah, it was uh, Ernie and Jim and Tommy Wilson and Richie Graham and um, uh, Dr. Dr. Lee up there. Um, yeah. They did uh, two separate panels. It's an impressive place. I mean, I've been to the school I've interviewed her, yeah, a principal before. So I mean, yeah, I'm sure it was a good event. No, there's nothing going on until there's... they watched the game, and then they yeah. had to watch a four and a half game there. On. It all went to shit. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder what Ernie and uh, Jim were They're thinking. Like, See what I mean? Time. Yeah, Got yeah, yeah I told you so. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I just I've been I've just been uh, content wise. I don't have any real strategy here in November. I've just sort of been waking up yeah. and going down to the computer and kind of thinking about what I want to write about. I, I did a couple things on the you know, strikers that they could possibly go for. I still think that's the biggest priority, you know, is to find an upgrade there. And uh, I, I don't – I think everybody, you know, when they think about a DP striker getting an upgrade there for the union, I think they think like, well, $3 million, $4 million, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you don't need a David Villa or a Robbie Keane or whatever. No. I mean, you can find a $500,000 uh, striker from the Dutch league. Um, you know, look at like a guy like Ola Camaro was making $650,000 for the Columbus crew this year. Bradley Wright Phillips only made six fifty or something like that. Uh, Michael DeLeo made like five hundred. So I don't I don't think I think they can, you know they set a they set a precedent for themselves now. If you're going to go spend a million dollars on Alejandro Bedoya, then surely you can spend that money on a striker. So we could also talk about the awards that they won last week. Chris oh, Pontius and Andre yeah. Blake back to back days. I was yeah. I was on a call with both of them. Chris Pontius did his call from the golf course right before taking a, a birdie putt, which uh, I, did he which I enjoyed. I don't know if he made it. I didn't. I didn't do a follow up story uh, okay. yet, but yeah. uh, it seems like a part two. But yeah, he was uh he he was pretty funny. Like about that comeback award, he's like, it's not something I ever won again. I think he told you guys that too at yeah. the end of practice. Can but I uh, honest, can I be honest with you, man? I could give a shit about the comeback <laughs> comeback player or the fair play award. None, how about, of, none of that means anything. How about goalkeeper? Me. That's the one award that of the, of the one award that they won. That's the one that matters, you know. And uh, it was deserved, you know. I, I don't I don't see who else yeah, are you going to give it to. If you look at the numbers, he might not 
have had the best in terms of uh, save percentage or number of saves, but the amount of like highlight real saves, he and he kept he, yeah, he kept his team in the game so many times. Yeah, I don't think, and and it's a lot of the great work that he did was earlier in the season. It's easier for people to forget that, you know, because we have short memories in the uh, sports media and fandom in general. Uh, what other topics are on? Do we have anything on it, here? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's kind of slow, um, but uh, we got a good half hour out of that. What's your favorite Thanksgiving food? Um, my favorite Thanksgiving food? That's a good question. Yeah. Um, That's what I'm here I for. Uh, Hard hitting stuff. I didn't eat breakfast yet, by the way. So you're making me like really, really hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> Does, Go um, down, whip up I, some I, stuffing and mashed potatoes. Real no, quick. I, I'll take like the easy way out. I like the like the Stouffer's mac and cheese or whatever. Which, Stouffer's oh, yeah. mac and cheese. Oh my god, dude! Yeah, you just put it in the oven and leave it there. You don't have to cook it. I guess that's a cop out, right? Because it doesn't count as Thanksgiving it. food. Yeah. Well, that tells <laughs> you about my that palate. The worst answer. What's your answer? Uh, yeah, probably stuffing, mashed potatoes. Uh, <laughs> probably everything. <laughs> everything on the plate. I'm going to take your worst much. answer. I'm going to trump it with yeah. another worst yeah, answer. Yeah, that's, that's, that's another worst one. Yeah, we're hosting uh, family for the first time uh, this year because we've, we've been in the house now for a year and a half. And uh, yeah, first, uh, first uh, Thanksgiving since the uh, wedding and also the first Thanksgiving that I've had off in nine years. What's the over-under on the amount of food your dog is going to steal from people's plates? Um, uh, say like two, like a pound and a half. <laughs> I'll take the over. We haven't really messed around with human food too much on him. I gave him like a piece of uh, salami once, and he didn't really like it. Oh. But uh, when we got him from the shelter, we had to give him pills, you know. And uh, so I put him in like cheese, and he seemed to like cheddar cheese. So let's see if we have any cheddar cheese left over tomorrow okay. for Baxter yeah <laughs> we, kept, we didn't pick Baxter as a name we just kind of kept it because we didn't want to uh, kept the get, same name get the dog from the shelter I'm like what are we going to like teach him a new name or something it feels kind of weird so um what do you what do you uh, yeah. this this Thanksgiving what are you thankful for Dave oh yeah there's a good question I'm thankful for the union obviously for <laughs> soccer uh I, in all seriousness I've actually like said this before and I tweeted it so I remember Thanksgiving was the weekend when the union had their expansion draft uh, back in what 2009. Uh, right, yeah. It was Thanksgiving weekend. That was like the first article I ever did on the union, oh, really? and I was like, "Who are these guys?" Latou, and uh, it, it it just got me Nick into soccer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean, and that eventually, and covering the uh, union is is honestly what helped me leave my old newspaper and become a freelance writer, and that's been a, a much better thing for me. So yeah. in all seriousness, I am thankful f for MLS and the union, and it's kind of fun to be covering a sport and a team that's really been growing. Yeah, no, I would I would uh, echo that sentiment, and I would also add that, uh, yeah, it, it, we're, we're thankful for where the, the soccer community is now in uh, Philly, you know. Um, you know, having this team sort of grow up from where they were to where they are now, I think a lot of people are looking forward to, to next year. But just to kind of solid, solidify things, you know, a solid fan base, um, you know, decent but small media core, um, <laughs> good fans, good people. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a really good uh, network of people, good community people. Yeah, you fans are pretty good. I yeah, guess. you guys are cool. You guys are cool. <laughs> Thanks, uh, and of All course, right. thank you to everybody for for listening too. I don't know if we're gonna do another one <clears throat> this year. Maybe we'll yeah, maybe know, like around the holidays or like around the expansion draft. Yeah, yeah, I got kind of burned out towards the end of the year just because the season's uh, so long. And uh, you know, obviously they pick it back up again in 
in January. So yeah. we're only looking at like what five or six weeks before we. The Penn Park bubble is already up. I passed by it the other bubble. day. We'll so see who shows be in up there soon <laughs> for training this year. But uh, yeah, you never know. If some kind of breaking news uh, situation happens or whatever. Maybe we'll hop on and do another one of these things. But uh, yeah, <clears throat> that's all we got for now. So yeah, thanks uh, for listening. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, thanks. And if we don't see you for a while, uh, enjoy the holidays. <laughs>